Thanks for clicking on the link again. I uh, hope you enjoy uh, tonight's upload. It's me and my buddy DJ uh, sitting around having a couple drinks, going over a book review on Matthew McConaughey's uh, book, Greenlight. I guess it's kind of not really a book review, but a uh, kind of just some, some takeaways we had from the book and some things we thought were applicable to uh, every, things we have going on in our, our lives or just some things that were just good lessons to learn and, and hold for uh you know, to, to use it for our own tools down the road, and maybe there's something here that you can find useful. So, hope you enjoy. Oh, yeah? Are we ready? I'm I don't know if you have questions. No, 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 I'm ready if you're ready. Oh, I don't know if you have to look at up. No, no, I'm just pulling up the quotes that I have them ready for us if, we're, if we want to refer to them. So it's me, my buddy Dennis, talking about Matthew McConaughey's book, Green Light. Yeah. Which we both recommend, and we're gonna do a little book review today. Um, I know you have some a concept of a skeleton. You yeah, wanna... yeah, a little outline or mm-hmm. at least some ideas. And um, I don't know, man. I, I would actually say I did not think it was a great book, but it was inspiring. Like I didn't really. There wasn't something I would point to, and it's like I learned these things, but I was really inspired to reevaluate my life and how I'm living it, and realize like in some regards we're just living the tape that we were brought up to live versus making a conscious decision to live a life we want to live (laughs) what made you want to check the book out because he's a likable dude i asked because i'm not into celebrity me neither that yeah and i I heard him on jordan peterson's podcast and i heard him on rogan's podcast and i was still like hearing the actor like yeah because he's like yeah, kind of. You know the voice, you get all that shit. Yeah, and I was still like, eh, "Some celebrity guy." Yeah, um, but the Jordan Peterson one got my attention because they dove a little deeper into the psychology between the relationship, with, like him and his father, and just him as a young guy growing up, and like Jordan kept taking him out of almost his like actor character. Mm. Thing, and, like the real, I don't know if you did you hear that podcast. I didn't. I heard. I listened to the Rogan one, and I heard him on something else, and it was the same thing. Those podcasts or what made me want to check out the book mm-hmm. and then I um, just wanted something lighter you know but yeah. I heard it had like the good teachings in it but it was to him I'm like alright let's check it out yeah it wasn't preachy no it wasn't like you know 10 steps to this or you know write that down and do it this way and the thing that like I had to clear out which I kind of keep circling back to because we know how his life turned out like, mm. he's doing well and there's so many things in there where I wanted to be like, well, obviously it worked out well for you, you're Matthew McConaughey. Right. But it, because he told his whole story of everything, of all the risks he took when he didn't know shit at yeah. 18, 19, 20 years old, and just his parents and the whole thing, and be like, he showed he wasn't always the guy we know now. Even now, he came across to me in the book as just a regular dude. Yeah. I mean, he happened to like make it really big, but he just comes across... What I was really surprised with is that movie, the Time to Kill movie. Yeah. Like, after that came out, was probably the peak of his fame and popularity. And he spent, what was it, three years living on the road yeah, in an yeah. RV with his dog, just the two of them, and not like yeah. at all what I would have thought. And that was just so, like, that was such an eye opener. Like, man, this, this is just a regular guy. Because mm-hmm. I, I, I want to rewind it because you mentioned the inspiration yeah. of it. And to me, like, and I, I've really thought about it a lot since I read it, like, I think because, again, he showed his normalcy, that was the 
inspiration behind it because he is a regular guy. Yeah. And he just rolled the dice on get after it. Just being assertive and aggressive at opportunities mm-hmm. that opened doors for him. And he yeah. was just stepped into them. I he, think no, the normal thing he wasn't ready for it. Him being a normal dude comes across more in the book than it did in the interviews, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But part of it's the interviews, like, you see his face, you hear his voice. You associate that with the characters he's played and the things you've seen on the screens. Where in the book, none of that comes across. It's just like a guy writing to you about his life, reflecting on his life experiences and talking about them in a way that, that, that just struck me as normal. Like most of the things that he did, aside from the acting, were things that anybody could do. Yeah. So that was an eye-opener to me and, and I think that's what was inspiring about it is it wasn't you know oh at 12 years old I knew I wanted to be an actor and I put my mind to it and I worked my butt off he worked hard but he's just a normal dude that that, that made it did he work hard? because think of the early stories of him blowing it off thinking he could just show up and be the guy yeah and remember the one he talked about where it was like in Spanish or something it was in another language yeah and he was yeah. like, I thought I would be able to just go in and get it. Yeah, yeah, I knew yeah. the character. It was like, yeah. holy shit, three pages of Spanish. Wasn't that after, that was after Dazed and Confused, right? I think so, yeah. Yeah, so I think he was probably feeling himself a little bit. Yeah. And yeah, he never read the script and he showed up and realized like, oh, the entire script is in Spanish and I don't really speak Spanish. I, I kind of felt the work ethic turned on and off early. Yeah, yeah. And then he like plugged in and be like, all right, he had, yeah. to, he had to lock in. Yeah, his life experiences, like it, he talked about early on, like was it Australia he lived in with that family? Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. That was weird. And then he went to the Amazon and lived there for a while. And, um, I, you know, I just think like having experiences like that would be so cool. And they, they really are accessible to everybody, except for the fact that we bog ourselves down with what we think we're supposed to be doing at certain stages of our lives. And then. You know, once you have certain responsibilities, those things are, there's more obstacles to doing that kind of stuff. As you say that, I'm thinking there are many leaps of faith that I think he took mm-hmm. throughout that, as you said, like, we feel we have to go ABC, and ABCs work for a lot of people up to a particular percentage, but if you're looking to get a little more out of the experience of what we're doing here, yeah, you gotta jump at things. Well, that's he he says early on in the book. There's a quote, and then he says it several times in the book, and he brings it up in the interviews, and it's just three words: it's the art of living. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's that's what inspired me. Is to some degree, he's perfected the art of living in a way that you know I haven't. And when you say, you know taking steps A, B, and C works, it's like, does it? Are most people really satisfied with their life? Are most people really turned on and excited about how they're living? I just saw yesterday, it said like, you know, most Americans are not happy with their life. And so we're all following this formula that's like, you know, maybe it's a formula for not failing, but it's not necessarily a formula for success as far as having a life that you love. And even that, like, how do you know, like, you, you talk about leap of faith. How do you trust you're even a good decision maker to make a leap when you see it? Yeah. Because, I mean, things have popped up for me that I've passed on. Yeah. That maybe I regret. I don't know. Like. Yeah. I have, I have a friend that I talk to frequently. He was in his 80s. 
and he talked about that a lot. It's like, man, looking back at my life, if you know, what if I would have made this decision instead of that one, or you know, all those opportunities that have come up that I that I just passed on, and where would I be right now if I, you know, taken this opportunity or made that choice? Um, and it's funny you mention that because one of the things he says in the book is it's not about what choice you make in a lot of situations, about making a choice and committing to it. Mm -hmm. And um, that was one of the things that's, that stuck out to me. It's like not so much about right or wrong as it is like really fully committing to a direction. And I, I don't know, like it touched, this book really touched me personally because I felt like it was like kind of saying stop being a pussy about making decisions like that like committing to a decision yeah not yeah. like just half-ass committing and oh, right. we'll see how it goes like commit and go yeah, like, commit yeah. and get after it yep and I related to that because I feel like often I've made a decision and like still dip my toe right and like commit I'm like eh, am I really committing oh, yeah man. yeah yeah I can say that in my life too um, what what really struck me though was just yeah, he's 50. Is that what it is? He's about 50 years old. I think he's 50 years old. And, you know, looking back at his life, and it, it made me think, like, how infrequently we really take an inventory of how we're living our lives. And, like, is this the life I want to live? Is this, you know, really, you know, you get one go around at it. You and I are in our mid-40s. Like, it's, it's halfway done. Yeah. You know, is this really how I want to live and it's not a, I don't think it's so much about career or money or any of that stuff it's like what type of relationships do you choose to have and what type of life experiences do you choose to have so that's what it really and the physical can be a difficult pivot at our age because we are committed to a particular track to an extent right now but the mindset can absolutely adjust I think we have more more options than we think you know even with younger kids and jobs and whatnot you know if, if, if there's something you really want to do you know you can find a comparable job somewhere else you don't have to stay in northeast ohio if you don't want to you don't feel stuck here uh, no i mean i really don't you know I, I guess i used to and then i kind of realize it's it's a choice to stay stuck and that's fine if that's what you choose but at least make it a choice. You know, if you look at... Yeah, all right. I, I, uh, I do say that negative, like, stuck in a while. Yeah, yeah. Every, I feel like everyone's been selling me on Texas lately. Like, he did. The book, like, all, yeah. the, all that, everything going on in Austin, like... Yeah. Everything you talk about, everyone leaving California, moving to Texas, seems like... Yeah. Everyone's well, going to Texas. I don't know if I want to live with all the people that are going from California. <laughs> but, no, I, I, I guess that's what I'm realizing is that, like, we have a lot more choices than I think we want to allow ourselves to think we have. And uh, it's disempowering to say we're stuck here, we're stuck in a job, we're stuck in any situation. Because we can change it, and we can bring the people along with mm -hmm. us. It's, it's create, create a vision and, and go after it. That's the hard part. Going after it? Creating the, creating vision, the vision and going after it? Yeah. Like, you wonder, we've talked about this often. Like, how many of us are just going through habits of a previous commitment versus making choices every day and being ready to pivot and change our lives to really maximize our time. Yeah. I mean, that's 
Are you living a life that like you were just programmed to live, or is it a life you chose? And we talk about this, like me and you personally yeah. talk about this. Yeah. I always wonder if this is on anyone else's radar. I don't know, but I think it's a scary thing to consider because I I wrote down recently, and I need to flesh it out more. But like my life vision, and I just kind of cleared my mind and wrote without thinking. Is this realistic? Is it achievable? This or that? And once you do it and you realize you're not living the vision that you want, then it becomes a choice. Like maybe initially you're ignorant to it, but then once you write it down and see it, now you're not ignorant to it. Now it's a, a choice to not live the life you want to live once it's in on paper in front of you. Mm-hmm. So I have a lot more work to do to flesh it out with details, but I would encourage you, like, you know, I need to take time to write it down, including there's a lot of good templates for it, but including, you know, what do you want your relationships to be like, your relationship with your wife, your friends, your, you know, you're responsible for creating all of that and you don't need to switch out the people for the most part. It's like our responsibility to create the relationship we want. The other person, you know, if it's a positive change, will more likely than not go along. See, I, I think I'm outing myself right now, actually. I wonder, like I'm having a lot of thoughts on a lot of things, and I wonder how much of it is my own self projecting on like how I view society right now, or if it's like really accurate with what I see in society and, and people in general and human nature and decision, like everything we're talking about. Like I'm having my own internal tug of war on some things, and I'm assuming everyone else is having a version of it, but I'm making that shit up just because I am. But is it common that? Like you said, like, are we all just going through the ABCs? That's like, a, is that our common thing we all do? And then, like I said, like, how many of us know we're even doing it? Yeah. I don't know. That's like the round and round and round. I think the difference between being aware of it and being unaware of it is kind of, you know, to use a cliche thing for people our age, like the midlife crisis. Like, if you're aware of it, you can work through it. If you're not aware of it, you start making choices and decisions without being aware of why you're making those choices and decisions. Mm. I think being aware of life not being what you thought it would be at a certain age and making conscious, responsible decisions about how to get back on track and not feeling like it's impossible. You know, not feeling like it's a, oh, I'm 40-something years old and I've got these responsibilities and like, this is just what it's going to be like you know if you tell yourself that that's what it's going to be but Mm. it doesn't have to be that alright so I've got a quote that I thought was really important so I'll just read it out we can run from there he said I removed every idol that ever gave me comfort and security pride or confidence all the window dressings and representations the packaging around my product was gone I even punched myself in the face a couple times for good measure who was I, not only on this trip, but in this life? And he, he says that when he's in the Amazon and he's having trouble sleeping and it was kind of a, like a self-discovery moment of like stripping away all the trappings of life and getting down to the core of who you really are mm. and what really matters. Which is not a moment it's easy to find within yourself. Yeah, I mean, he had to go to the Amazon to do it. Yeah. I think most of us in day-to-day life don't 
create the opportunity to have that headspace to even think like that. It's really hard to do without chemicals. Yeah, or time. I think I, I don't. I wouldn't know. There go. A way to, you know, we've talked about it before. I wouldn't know a way to even experiment with these thoughts without assistance. Yeah. I mean, how, especially like the depth of, like think of what everything that was right there is stripping down everything that you think you are or were to really find the, the true you. I know it sounds like a cliche thing and you know people say it all the time, but like how real does that get? Yeah, I, you know mean, mean, like, I mean, like, like the really, like, really understanding, like the dark. Uh, to me, it actually goes back to the light and the dark within you, like that Carl Jung would talk about of understanding your own flaws, accepting your own flaws and your issues, and bringing them to light and owning them. And and once you do that, you're able to become the the true you. Yeah, I think that is a major hang-up that people have that they don't even go that far to deal with the truth of their own darkness. Yeah, I agree with you. I think getting back to like, you know, how can you do it? with or without any assistance I, I, for me it just takes time like sitting and being honest and so many of the things that are like are your values really yours mm-hmm. or did, were they somebody else's values that you just never even thought about mm-hmm. and I think that's what it spoke to me a lot was that, you know all these things that you value in life are they are they really my values? Are they really things that are important to me? Or are they just things that, like, over time I was told should matter? Or I've mm-hmm. seen in other people that they matter, so I just assume they matter, and then I pursue them. I think it's a super freeing thing, but even then when you're aware of it, it's still hard to not pursue things that aren't really that meaningful. Yeah, you just have self-awareness and being able to ask yourself the questions and understand you might be lying to yourself. Yeah. The answer might be a lie. Yeah. And I don't know if there's any way to find out if it's a lie other than to, like, find the answer and pursue it. Keep finding it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Keep, to keep going. I think the... I read somewhere the surest way to, like, not be happy is to always be pursuing happiness. Because just by definition, if you're pursuing something, it means you don't have it. Yeah. So it's kind of a lot of it's just being grateful for what you have and where you're at. And then also... Like all the all the things I spend a lot of my life pursuing are pretty meaningless. Gratitude. Yeah. Gratitude is it. I yep. think about that all the time. I yeah. think about like whenever I just think of thanking I don't know. Or we're gonna we're gonna go book and off the book and book yeah, and off yeah. the book. Like whenever I think of something someone can say to someone, it's always a it's thank you. Yeah. Like it's always like I, I think of I just daydream about random speeches and things that this guy should say to this guy and it's always thank you in some way or another in some some style of, of gratitude do you have a regular gratitude practice in your life I would say it's a, a habitual practice thing of like mm-hmm. I write down 10 things nothing like that but it's it's on my radar consistently okay. I think I express it in my relationships quite regularly yeah sure there's someone listening to this right now that's like what the fuck do you do but <laughs> that's maybe you that, say, like hey everybody I'm grateful for you <laughs> yeah. maybe, and I, maybe I, I don't do it as much as I could or should but it, it, it's on my radar have you ever and I have not read this book but have you are you familiar with the love languages book I'm familiar with it alright so I think a big part of the gratitude thing if you're expressing it to other people is expressing it in a way that's meaningful to them because mm-hmm. a way that you may express or I may express gratitude to somebody 
that's really meaningful to us might not move the needle for them. Mm-hmm. You know, so maybe you, know, you you get somebody a gift and it's you know they're oh, okay, but they would much rather have spent two hours with you right, right, yeah. than have gotten the gift. And it doesn't mm-hmm. mean that you're not grateful and it's not a nice thing, but it's kind of you know, hitting the mark with the other person more so than expressing it in a way that feels meaningful to me. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. But yeah, I, my gratitude practice, like every night I lay down, you know, I read for 30 minutes to an hour before bed and then close my eyes and I fall asleep thinking of things from that day that I was grateful for. I think along the lines of gratitude and something that this book opened up for me, um, I don't think it opened up for me, but it was like one more sign for me was to start getting more in touch with uh, a faith. Mm-hmm. We talked about that a lot. I got a friend at work that, that's 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 deep into it, um, and it's just been kind of like little signs have been popping up for me here and there, and and it made me wonder about my relationship with a faith or a god or whatever whatever word you want to use for it, and it just made me more. I don't say aware, but it just put it on my radar more of having faith in a mission of something outside of myself. Yeah. I don't know if you felt that at all in there, if it's affected you. To me, he, I know we've talked about it a lot. Yeah, I think spirituality, faith, religion are all different. And uh, I, for me, it's all about just a connectedness. Mm. And I think that's what, you know, if you look at organized religions, they create a community. Um, I think to me, the core of like any spirituality thing is a connectedness with everybody and everything at its at its core. So that's yeah. And I and I I generally kind of feel that way. You know, I think they're very aware. Of, I'm very aware of how small interactions with strangers can alter the course of everybody's day. You know, whether it's holding the door for somebody or smiling or complimenting a stranger. Mm-hmm. You know. To me, that's spirituality. That's connectedness. But yeah, um, who do you, who do you think this the book is? You, who's it for? He wrote it for himself, and I think that's why. Like I don't like I said at the beginning, I don't know that I thought it was a great book, but it was inspiring. Who would you offer it to? I think anybody that feels kind of stuck in a rut in life. Like I said, it was such an eye-opener that after he made A Time to Kill, he spent three years on the road in a, you know, RV with a dog. Mm-hmm. Not at all what you would, you know, think of a Hollywood star doing after a hit movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess what, what that opened up in my mind was you don't have to do the ABC formula that everybody around you does. Because not everybody that's successful lives a great life does it that way right sometimes the abc is just a a maze you know without any really gratifying end to it yeah yeah i thought of young guys young guys Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah who for the exact same reason yeah they're just at the the first quarter and we're in the third quarter yeah this is the third quarter (laughs) second quarter i'm very optimistic Half time. All right. All right. Um, but yeah, the young guys are getting out and really, you know, again, here like, I don't have to. Yeah. You know, he started off going to law school, and yeah. I don't even know at what point he pulled out of that for, for the arts. But 
I don't know if at 20 or 25 years old I would have looked at it and understood how important the experiences he had with going to Australia, going to the Amazon, how important and life-changing those experiences are. I don't know if I, if I would have been able to accept that at that age as something that's so important. I don't remember the exact event in the book, and I'm probably projecting this a little bit, but I think at, when you're young, you've always got that little tickle in the back of your mind of the thing you want to do. Mm-hmm. And either you do it, you do a version of it, or you get talked out of it for safety. Yeah. And I see that with a lot of young guys, especially yeah. like coaching for 15 years. Yeah. A lot of guys go a particular path of career security, financial security, the, like the B. You know, yeah. I got through high school, what's the next one? All right, it's college, it's this, it's yeah. this degree. With this degree, I'll make this much money. And, other, and I hope they've made those decisions based on their passion and what the things they enjoy doing. I think a lot of them have. But you can't that they have it all. Yeah. It just doesn't, I mean, not everyone makes that decision. Well, backtracking, so you would recommend this book to younger people. What would, if you were talking to your younger self after reading the book, what would you tell yourself, like, hey, to, listen to this part of it. Like, this is the piece you needed to hear. I don't know about a particular piece because he, he, to me, it's about rolling the dice and committing to that. Mm-hmm. We can talk about committing to decisions. And taking those leaps when you know when you get that signal, it's like I should do that. Yeah, you should go do that. Yeah, don't yeah. talk yourself out of that. It yeah. might seem crazy, but there's a thing there to go learn. Yeah, and I think that is huge on any level of life, especially when you're young and you can fail. Mm. Like I think it's important to get out there and fuck it up. Yeah, while you don't have a lot to lose. Yeah, you can we can roll the dice. You can you can go travel, fuck shit up in Arizona for whatever many years. Right, and wherever home is, you go back home and reload and go again because you're not. You're not tied to a house or whatever it is. You're, you are just on a different level of freedom. Yeah. I, I think that's along the lines. Mine would be, you know, say yes. Yeah. You know, say yes to more things. Say yes to opportunities. That's the time of your life to take, fri- take risks. That's the time of your life to, you know, go live mm-hmm. somewhere else for three mm-hmm. months, six months, three years. Yeah. yeah. Um, before you have other obligations. You know, see the world, experience the world. I'm talking to, especially like... The kids that I've worked with, boys and girls, when they when things would come up of, you know, travel or and I would, I'd always, I, I always wondered if parents were like, fuck that guy, because I'd always say go, yeah, like, go experience that thing, go do that thing that is the risk because you can do it now. Would you tell your own kids that? Mm, depends what it is. <laughs> I just ask because I think it's really one one thing as a parent that I think is hard is. Um, you know, telling your kids to go to say yes and go see the world and do it because the other side of that coin is that they're leaving. Let me rewind that. The advice I would have given 10 years ago is different than the advice I would give now because I do think the world is very different now. I'm much more, especially with females, I'm much more protective of young women than I was a decade ago. Not that I wasn't then. Right. But then I would be like, you know, because what popped in my head about someone traveling was a young girl that I trained at volleyball that wanted to get out of here and go to Europe. Yeah. I I was like, shit, yeah, go. Would I say that in 2021? I'd say, who's going with you? Do you think 2021 is any different than uh, 2011? Or do you think it just put out there more to make sure we're all scared and taking our meds? Either it's different or we know more. Yeah. I mean. I think it's just we know more. That's my opinion. 
Yeah, it's very possible. Yeah. So. I don't think the world's any more... I think statistically the world's safer than it's ever been. We just hear more about the dangers. You don't think people are crazier? No. I think they've always been crazy. We just hear about it more now. <laughs> Everybody's got a camera in their pocket that they can record all the craziness. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't think... I think... But I'm an optimist, but I think the world's safer than it's ever been. I'm more afraid of the world. Are you? Yeah. What is it? What's the benefit of feeling that way? Well, there, I just... All right, I'm everyone, just curious. Everyone, stay close. Yeah. That's how I feel. I really like everyone. Sit tight, stay close. Prepare yeah. for impact. All right, that's perfect because uh, there's a quote here that, that speaks to that. He says, uh, we don't live longer when we try not to die. We live longer when we're too busy living. I do remember that. <laughs> I, yeah. I remember that. I, I think I remember where I was when I heard it, too. I did the audio book. Okay. And it was cool. It was cool. Like, oh, yeah. Know, he's a charming guy. It was fun to listen to him. That's, that, that's the part that was inspiring to me was at 44 feeling like, hey, you know, go live your, go live your life. You know, it's, uh, yeah, I have obligations and responsibilities and, you know, connections with people that I, that I don't want to mess up or not see, but I also don't want to be... 40 years from now looking back and saying like I spend 80% of my days in my living room or 80% of my days were the exact same routine and yeah. I think that's what you know as we get older life you know everybody says oh life goes by so fast it goes by so fast I think it's because we do the same thing every day oh, yeah yeah <laughs> and those, you know of course like the the hours bleed together, the days, the weeks, the months bleed together when you're doing the exact same thing every day. Um, so that's that's what was inspirational to me about this book is, you know, get out and live. And even at you know our age with our obligations, once you become aware that you're not really living life to its fullest, whatever that is for you or for me, once you're aware that you're not doing it, then it's a choice to continue to not do it. I don't know if this is a counter or a side of it, a version of it, but I'm very cognizant of who we are as whatever age we are, whatever phase that would be, adults that, because I do think everyone's a leader. Mm -hmm. So I look at things and I go, what, how, what's, the, what's the best way to lead someone looking at me? So I, a lot of my thoughts are wrapped around that like my our kids are looking at us other mm -hmm. kids are looking at us other adults are looking at us and like things like that like and it's not about well we are that but i mean right, right. Just, like, everyone looks at everyone I right so like when i said about i forget what there's something in there you said that made me think of i don't know just i feel conflicted in freedom versus security is there any security? I guess that's what I... Which is an ironic conversation for this day and age. Yeah, I don't think there is. I think, you know, we have a false sense of security that's tied, you know, the, the quote I read earlier about stripping away, you know, mm -hmm. everything. Mm -hmm. I think we cling to a lot of things that we think give us security and safety, but I'm not sure that they really do. And even if they do... Do you want to spend a lifetime living safe and secure, and is that really living, or is that just trying to not die? That's kind of what Jordan Peterson asks. You know, is it, is it better to, to teach your kids to be strong or to be or to keep them safe? 
because they're not the same. Yeah, being strong. Yeah. Like, I don't even have to think twice about that. Yeah, but it is a, it is an interesting conversation. Yeah. Because keeping them strong isn't keeping them safe, or training them to be strong. Right. Is not necessarily or probably not keeping them safe because yeah. they just don't go hand in hand. I guess at, at this stage of my life, I look and think, you know, I'm starting to look at it with the end in mind and thinking at, at a certain point, how am I going to look back? You know, mm-hmm. is it more important to live a long life or is it more important to live a full life? And uh, the answer for me is, you know, I'd rather live a shorter, what I consider to be great, fun life than to live tacking on years at the end. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I kind of was daydreaming. I, I, I got you. I'm just thinking of how I can, I don't know, man, like, the book was needed for me because yeah. I needed to relearn like this mindset that has faded on me over the last couple of years. Yeah. Really. I guess I felt like a, a certain amount of uh, like passion for life or at least the I recognize the opportunity to create more passion for living in my mm-hmm. life after mm-hmm. reading it. Mm-hmm. Um, not just falling into the you know what I've done for the last 10 years is what I'm going to do for the next 10 years yeah, in my day to day life. Um and I get, so that was the part that was inspirational. It's like, now I'm aware of it. Now it's a choice. If I choose to live the next 5, 10, 15 years the same, at least it was a choice. Not yeah. just something I did on autopilot or I wasn't aware of. Yeah, I, and all of a sudden I'm 60 and it's like, where did the time go? Yeah, I agree with that 100%. It's not, you didn't slip into it. You right. Made it, you made the kind of choice. If I do it, I chose it. Yeah. So that's what was inspiring to me. I guess that's it. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Every single thing he went, I mean, that's the whole the title of the book, Greenlight, was, yeah. it was kind of a, a neat concept and play on words that he had there, but to choose to step into a situation, not just allow it to happen. So what's, I guess this would be my last one and only question, is what's, what's one thing you would do different in your life or you will do different going forward mm. after having read it, whether it's a way of thinking or an actual action or... Well, I had this thing over the weekend in the gym. Uh, I actually took some screenshots of it. If I take too long to fumble through this, I'll edit it out. But I, uh, I kind of had a little... Uh, I had some breakthrough moments while I'm... Uh, Am I going to see some gym selfies? No, <laughs> doing my thing. Um While you're looking through there, I'll answer it so you buy you some time here. Um, I think for me, it, it is creating a life I'm passionate about and scheduling and doing things and making them happen. It's easy to talk about all the things I want to do, people I want to see, the places I want to go. Um, it's so easy to let five months, five years, 15 years pass and I haven't done any of them. So I'm, I'm doing them, I'm making them happen. Um, inviting people to go along with me on it and uh, you know not not just letting life happen but really stepping into creating the life that I want to live yeah I mean I think that is it that is it the thought that came to me along with a bunch of other thoughts I don't want to go into all of them because they're really emotional but I passed on an opportunity last year that I regret 
Right. Um, and it hit me this weekend why I passed it, what passing on the opportunity meant to me, what it means to me now, and just kind of the... It's not like an overwhelming regret in a sense of I would wish I could go back and change it mm-hmm. because if I could, I wouldn't have the mindset I have now. <clears throat> You've heard Burn the Boats? Yeah, the saying. Yeah. It popped in my head because I heard someone else reference it. And I wish someone would have reminded me of that when I made the decision. Because I think anything, kind of, we just talked about several times, committing to decisions. Yeah. And I think when you're making these decisions, you have to have that burn the boats mentality. Yeah. And you, you can't, you, I, it is impossible to fuck it up when you are totally committed to that right. idea. Because even like, did you, you know, pass on that decision based on what we talked about two minutes ago? Your, uh, like the perceived safety and security versus the risk? 100%. Okay. Absolute 100%. So as a friend, you're telling me next time something comes up to tell you to take the risk? I'm burning the boats. All right. 100%. I mean, all that's right. all. I, I mean, it was just like nothing. And even like Scarlett asked, my wife asked me, how do you know this would have happened? Because you, I, lack of better, other than the phrase, you burn the boats, you have no other choice. No other options, yeah. You're not going home. Yeah. Like, this yeah. is it. Yeah. And like... I can't be like, this is it. Yeah. There's no choice. All right, I think I got one last quote to sum it up if you have anything to say about it, but I thought this spoke to me is, we must be aware of what we attract in life because it's no accident or coincidence. Yeah. So it's really about creating the life you want to live and being aware of the the energy you put out and knowing that that's what's going to come back. I'm not comparing myself in any way, but this, the book reminded me a lot of things I used to believe and think. And it didn't depress me like, oh, in a weird way, but like, I used, somehow this, that faded on me over time of bullshit. Yeah. Bullshit. <laughs> I don't get to what I'm saying, what the bullshit is. The responsibilities is. pile up. The, That's a good the, way. Yeah, they, it, not in a bad way. It's all things we chose. Yeah. Um, that we did attract. Right. But did it inspire you at all to say, start attracting something better well that and and you can take all of the things that you've created today and you know to use the word i hear you use like level them up like you, you know mm. if you're living at you know 70 percent and you want to be at 85 i mean it's not going to happen overnight but like we're not we're not past that stage of life where we can do that to, to live the way we want to live yeah i mean know? think of what you just said about attracting the life I've said that to people countless times where they, especially, you know, my wife, she's accomplished X, Y, and Z. And then every, I forget what it was. We had like this, we were talking out and had a little breakthrough about it, about like she wasn't happy with things that she was doing. And I'm like, don't forget, there was a day you asked for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And everything was like, don't forget, you did, you wanted that. You wanted that. And she's like, yeah, shit. It wasn't until like we actually said it all out loud. Yeah. And she's like, holy shit. Like, I did say I wanted this, and then I got it. And I yeah. did say I wanted this, and then I got it. But it wasn't like a, a conscious effort. Okay. It was like you should put it out there and became it. Yeah. And I think that we do. People are it, and it's just because they're, they're living in the subconscious. They don't realize they're, they're attracting their it. Yeah. And I know that can sound a little like foo-foo yoga talk almost of, you know, law of attraction or whatever. But there's it's a true. Lot, I think there's a shitload to it. Yeah. I don't think it's as exact as meditate on the thing you want and it's going to appear. And, it's uh, not going to appear, but it, you will make decisions that move you in the direction of yeah. whatever you're focused on. Opportunities will appear. Yeah, and you'll yeah. see them because you're ready. It's like when you buy, you know, when you get a car, 
all of a sudden you see all the other cars that are the same on the road. Yeah, yeah. Because it's part of your awareness, you're mm-hmm. less likely to, you know, miss those those green lights mm-hmm. if you're if you're focused on a certain thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Good stuff. We good? All right. Till next time. Yeah. The last call. Alcohol. So what you need? One bourbon, one scotch, one beer. Lord, I ain't seen my baby since a night on a week. Gotta get drunk, man, so I can't even speak. Gonna get high, man, listen to me. One drink ain't enough, Jack, you better make it free. Gonna get drunk, I'm gonna make it real clear. I want one bourbon, one scotch, one beer.